This is Jezology. It's a real science, honestly. Not just a podcast of me talking about me. Or, or maybe it is. It's Jezology. Hello and welcome to episode four of series one of Jezology. My name is Jeremy Johnson and I'm amongst other things a singer-songwriter, sporadic adventurer, travel writer and former professional geoscientist. This first series of Jezology is a collection of some of my favourite adventure and travel stories that I've experienced and then written about. There will be a written version of all the stories that I will post on my website at jeremyjohnson.co.uk. Much of the music I write as a singer-songwriter comes directly from the things I've seen, experienced and learnt on my travels. And for me, both writing and music offer different but complementary ways to express and consider these life lessons. There are six biographical stories from adventures I've had in this first series of Jezology, and they will be accompanied in each episode by a short introduction to explain a little more about the context and timing. Thanks very much for tuning in to listen to this podcast. I hope giving these stories a listen gives you as much pleasure as it did for me experiencing and then writing about them. If you like what you hear, do check out my writing and music at jeremyjohnson.co.uk where you'll find tour dates, merchandise and links to all my other creative spaces. My name is Jeremy Johnson and this is episode 4 of series 1 of Jezology entitled Pack Your Pens. I had always wanted to travel to Ethiopia, the location of the two oldest hominids ever found, Lucy and Afar, the birthplace of Rastafarianism and coffee, the food, the history, and the stigma of famine and underdevelopment. There was something about the country that really intrigued me. In September 2013, I got my wish. This story is taken from a trek I undertook through the Simeon Mountains in the north of the country. My legs are tired, but the thicker air relieves my lungs, and I've all but forgotten about the pounding headache that harassed me for most of the day. Trekking above 4,000 metres has taken its toll on me since we climbed up into the central Simeon Mountains two days ago, but having passed the highest point on our eight-day expedition, the descent down into the lush green valleys that would typify our final days in northern Ethiopia seems to be flushing my oxygen-starved body with a new life. The beauty of our camp is astounding. I've been blown away many times on this trip already, but this particular night stop is something special. A schoolhouse perched atop a flat-topped grassy hill in the shadow of Rastashen, the highest mountain in Ethiopia. The view is an amphitheatre of magnificent tall rock promontories, carved slowly and lovingly by millennia of fluvial erosion. Like the master sculptor caressing a formless piece of limestone, lost in the process and aiming for no particular destination. This part of Ethiopia feels ancient, as if these deep green canyons have been sheltering man from before the beginning. The beauty is not limited to Mother Nature here. I'm drawn to the soft, shy faces of four young school kids who are watching our approach to the schoolhouse camp. Wrapped head to toe in thick, ragged shawls to keep out the cold. Despite our descent and the warm sun, we're still at 3,500 metres. There's an intimate contrast between my technical mountain equipment 
and the blanket-cloaked figures wandering gracefully across the misty backdrop, but our exchanged smiles helped temporarily soothe my embarrassment. As with many of my previous travels, my attention is held so easily by these young locals. There's something about kids, particularly in underdeveloped nations, that's so very heartwarming. There is an honesty to their movements, actions and personalities. A lack of self-consciousness and a natural intrigue makes them extremely photogenic and a true joy to interact with. This time is no exception. I wasn't to know at the time, but six years later I would use one of the photos as the cover album art on my debut studio album, Insecuriosity. The mysterious yet innocent nature of wrapped-up village kids, set against the backdrop of drifting cloud, would capture the album concept in a powerful yet delicate way. Anyway, back to 2013. As usual, at this point in the day, our Ethiopian trekking guide brought out a tray of pick-me-ups and hot tea. Usually this was my favourite time of day. Walking done, sun going down, tea and biscuits. What's not to love? Today was immediately different. I was ravenous, but we were being watched curiously by our young friends, lying bunched on top of one another from a grassy knoll not far away. The decision was easy. I would share my snacks with the little villagers. Being conscious not to offend our guide, I asked him for permission to donate the abundance of treats. To my surprise, he declined outright. His opinion was clear. By giving the kids a treat today, they would come back tomorrow in greater numbers. Eventually their gratitude would turn to expectation, and before long their expectation would lead to animosity. I was a little taken aback. It's only biscuits, I thought. But this would turn out to be an important lesson which would play out over the coming days as we descended into the warmer, more populated parts of the Ethiopian highlands. What I hadn't considered with my moment of generosity and human kindness was that I was just one of a train of western tourists who descend on the Simeon Mountains. This could also be said of so many of the tourist destinations in developing countries around the world. By donating things that I casually assumed these kids might want or need, I was actually starting the slippery slope into wealth-divide animosity. This became stark as we ended our trek in northern Ethiopia. At first, I heard more and more calls for pens, t-shirts and paper from the kids as villages became more populous. Initially, this was sweet and understandable considering certain international tourist guides had been telling people for years to stock up on pens to give to the children of the mountain regions for their schoolwork. The problem is that this had become a pen conveyor belt, with trekkers passing by on a more and more regular basis. The kids, starting off sweet and thankful in the remote regions, gradually became louder and more aggressive with their requests and eventually demands. At one point, all I heard from village kids as I walked was cries for money, money, some even wafting across considerable distances after our small group had been spotted. Inevitably, the more aggressive the demand, the more irritable the response when I declined their request. This would unfortunately become a routine of much of my trip through Ethiopia. It strikes me that there is a balance to be struck here and a responsibility bestowed upon wealthy tourists wanting to get off the beaten track. The analogy seems apt regarding charity and aid in general. 
unconscious giving to those we consider needy to satisfy our own desire to be generous and altruistic can unfortunately lead to unhelpful and undesirable consequences of our actions. My Simeon Mountain guide had seen this change firsthand and considered it a great shame that people had come to his country, perhaps due to preconceived stereotypes, with the intention of unbridled giving. He had seen the change in those receiving from being appreciation to expectation to reliance and eventually aggression towards him and his tourist clientele. Clearly there's an equilibrium to be struck. Wealth is a responsibility and consciousness of your actions is so very important during travel and in charitable donation. Inevitably there is a gulf in between our understanding of new cultures and intricate social systems, and our desire to help people and populations less fortunate than ourselves. My lesson was clear. Invest where you can in the local economy, support local businesses and people, but be very careful when giving for no return. You may be causing more problems than you're solving. I continue to travel and support the local tourism in many parts of the world, but now I think very carefully before packing my pens. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode four, series one of Jezology. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do take the time to like and follow it on whichever platform you're listening on. All these stories can be found at jeremyjohnson.co.uk along with my music, tour dates, merchandise, and much more. So do go check that out. You can also keep bang up to date by following me on social media at jeremyjohnsongs across all platforms. Until the next time, this has been Jezology and I've been Jeremy Johnson. Thank you.